This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you that are watching today. And today we're going to be discussing a subject that I hope will cause us to want to be better people. Magnifying Christ. Magnifying Jesus Christ in our lives. Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize the course is free and in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive this course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians to me is a, is a wonderful book. I've preached out of this book for many years. There's so many things about it that, I, uh, that are very near and dear to my heart. Now, I want to read one of those places from the book of Philippians that, that I really enjoy talking about, and that's beginning in verse 19, and I'm going to read down through verse 22. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But, but if I live in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. The Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome, and he was very uncertain about what the future held. He is like a person standing on the tiptoes, looking into the distance. He wasn't aware of what the future held, but he was sure about one thing. And that one thing was that whether I live or whether I die, Christ is going to be magnified in my life. Well, what could he possibly do that would magnify Christ? And to magnify something means to give it an enlarged view of something. It, this seems to be what Paul is saying. I, I'm determined that when the world looks at the Lord through me, that they're going to see him greatly enlarged and wonderfully magnified. 
You see, the magnifying glass doesn't alter the nature of the object that is magnified. It just influences the view or the appearance of the object. By magnifying Christ, one does not change Christ, but they change the view that people have of the Lord. Sometimes it has been said that the Christian is the only Bible that the world will read. Well, what is meant by that? That people look at a Christian and they see how that person lives, as that person lives, that, that person's life is guided by the Bible. And so they see the principles of the Bible lived out in that person's life. Paul had given himself to Christ. He'd given himself to Christ so completely that Christ was living in him. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified. He did not mean that he had died. He just meant that Christ belonged to him. He belonged to Christ. Paul, you just said you've been crucified with Christ. Well, then he explains that from henceforth, that his own life is dead. And in the place of his life is the life of Christ. It is no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Paul was Christ's man. And when you see Paul, you see Christ. You see, we need to magnify Jesus in our life because of the distance the world lives from Him. You see in Ephesians 2 verse 13, the Bible says that, that we are brought near to Christ by His blood. And the world is not near Christ, but away from Christ. Ephesians 2.12 says that they are separated from God. They're without God, without hope, without Christ. And they can't see Him very well. And, and because of the exalted position of the world, the world thinks it's good enough without Jesus. But what we need to do as Christians is to magnify Christ so, so that the world will see that they do need Christ. We, we need to magnify Christ because the devil magnifies the pleasures of the world. The devil makes pleasures look beautiful. But those pleasures of the world are only for a season. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Of course there's pleasure in sin. If there were not pleasure in sin, there wouldn't be so many sinners. And the devil tries to make all of those sinful pleasures beautiful, but they're only for a season. People need to see Christ so they can compare Jesus Christ with that which is temporary. But why should we magnify Christ? We need to magnify Christ in our life 
because you can't see him in some who profess him. Some people need to say, mirror, mirror on the wall, do you see Christ in me at all? And so we need to magnify Christ. Now we need to magnify Christ by life. By the way that we live every day, we need to give the world an enlarged view of Jesus Christ. We, we need to do that by thinking as Jesus thought. You see, the way a person lives is determined by the way he thinks. Solomon says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think, you are. And if we would magnify Jesus, we must think as Jesus thought. Now the thoughts that Christ has and the thoughts that the Heavenly Father has are not the way that we have thoughts. In Isaiah 55, eight, verse 8 and verse 9, the, the Isaiah wrote, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and your thoughts, and my ways and your ways. You see, the way God thinks is superior to the way a man thinks. And it is only when God's great laws and principles are written in our hearts that we can think like Jesus Christ. It, it, going back to the book of Philippians, in chapter 2 and verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think about that. We're to have Jesus' mind. If we have Jesus' mind, we have his thoughts. If we have his thoughts, it guides and, and directs our lives. Th think what it would mean to have the mind of Christ. Well, we would think about the things he thought of. And it would change the things that we have as our goals in life. It would change the things that we like to do for pleasure. It would change our sense of values if we had the mind of Christ. You see, if I had the mind of Christ, that means that my mind is running in the same channel with Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3, look at verse 1 and verse 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. So our affection, our desires, our ambitions, our thinking, rather than on things that are earthly-minded and worldly-minded, ought to run in the channel of Christ's thinking. Have this mind in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. 
We, we can magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives by loving like Jesus loved. And I think all of us understand something about Jesus' love. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We need to learn to love like Jesus loved. In John 13, verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. And by this shall all men know you're my disciples, you have love one for another. So if we are Christian, how do people know we're Christian? Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, people know that I'm a Christian because I was baptized for remission of my sins. No, I, I didn't ask you what you did to be saved. I asked how do people know that you are a Christian? Well, you say that I, they, they know I'm a Christian because I attend the Church of Christ and we have the Lord's Supper every Sunday. I didn't ask you how, how you worship. I asked how do people know you're a Christian? You say, well, they, they know I'm a Christian because I go to the church where we do not use mechanical instruments of music because we're not authorized to use it. Again, I did not ask how you worship. I asked how do people know you're Christian. And Jesus said the test of discipleship is the love you have for one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Yes, I repeat, we magnify Jesus Christ by loving like Jesus loved. In the love that the Lord had, there was not, not one single trace of resentment. None. No bitterness. No retaliation. And, and I can tell you, sometimes in life that's hard. It's hard to love without being resentful. And sometimes think, things happen in our lives that, that have a tendency maybe to make us bitter about things or to want to retaliate. But our Lord was threatened, but He threatened not. When He was reviled, He reviled not. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, 23. Jesus showed the love that He had in the compassion that he had for people. I have often said, and I shall say it again and again, that I believe the one word that summarizes the life of Jesus Christ is the word compassion. And oh, that our world today had the mind of Christ and had compassion. For example, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, we learn that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the people wandering about his sheep having no shepherd. They were without proper leadership. Our world today needs leadership and how it must break the heart of Jesus today when he sees people wandering about without purpose in life. When he sees people wandering about from pillar to post with no aim and purpose in their lives. You see... Jesus was compassionate. And we need to show compassion for people as well. We need to love like Jesus loved. Jesus was not judgmental. 
in the mean, in the vicious sense. Je Jesus was kind, and he was gentle in, in his dealing with people. Why, for example, in John the 8th chapter, you remember a woman that was brought to Jesus? Incidentally, there were some men who brought that woman to Jesus. This woman had been caught in the act of adultery. Now, the thing that I have always wondered is she was caught in the very act. Why didn't they bring the man? Why didn't they bring the man? Now, someone says, well, how do you know she was caught in that? Well, verse 3 says it. The scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. So where was the man? They didn't bring the man. They just brought the woman. And, and they set the, the woman in, in her midst, in, his, in the midst of them all, and said, Teacher, she was caught in adultery, the very act. Now, according to the law of Moses, she should be stoned. Now, what do you say? And they said that because they were testing Jesus and trying him. They, they might find something uh, in Jesus to accuse him of. And Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. Someone said, why did he write on the ground? I have no, no idea what he wrote on the ground. And you don't either. No one knows. And they just continued asking him. And then he stood up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. See, Jesus was not judgmental of that woman. Jesus didn't side with those people. I, I, I've known of people in the church that I believe would have sided with the men that brought the woman to Jesus. They would have sided with them and said, yes, Lord, that woman deserves to be stoned. But Jesus was kind. He was gentle. In verse 11, he, he asked the, the, they, the, the people left, and Jesus said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. She said, neither do I. He said, go and sin no more. And so Jesus showed compassion. I'm going to tell you what the world needs today. It needs people that have compassionate hearts. And uh, the world doesn't always see that in Christians. You know, Jesus had a, such a love for people. He, he loved people and he tried to lead people to, to a right relationship. And his love led him to seek souls. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says that he came to seek to save what was lost. Jesus was compassionate. We can also magnify Jesus by learning to forgive like Jesus did. Well, someone says, how did he do that? How did he forgive? Well, he forgives us completely, totally. In Acts 3.19, Peter said, Repent and be converted that your sins be blotted out. So when he forgives us, our sins are blotted out. Hebrews 8 and 12 that says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. When we learn to forgive just like the Lord did, then we're magnifying Jesus. Look at Ephesians 4.32. 
Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How am I to forgive others? Even as. Even as what? Even as God has forgiven me, I'm to forgive others. You know, after Jesus had given the disciples a pattern as to how to pray, the only part of that petition that he commented on was concerning forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, If you forgive men their trespasses, your Father in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. You know, Jesus was forgiving. Picture Jesus on the cross. Now, now think about it. A crown on his head, crown of thorns, Nails in his hands. Nails in his feet. And Jesus is hanging on that cross. Now what is he going to say? Why didn't he say, Father, I wish you would send down bolts of lightning and destroy this nest of rebels. But no, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we need to have that kind of attitude toward men. If you want to magnify Jesus, you learn to forgive like Jesus forgave. We magnify Christ also by enduring like Jesus endured. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 says, He endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Some people can't endure very long. It doesn't take them long to turn their backs upon what's right. When you want to magnify Jesus, you just keep going in the right direction. When you want to magnify Jesus, you need to learn to obey just like Jesus obeyed. Yes, Jesus had to obey God. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. To whom? To all of them that obey him. Now, now that, that calls for a complete resignation of one's will to the will of the Father. You see, when we obey the will of God, then people are going to see Christ in us. That's how we magnify Christ. We can magnify Christ in life only as He is in us. As Paul wrote in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But He can't be in you unless you're in Him. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The greatest demonstration of the power of Christianity is to reproduce in your life 
the life that the Lord Jesus Christ lived. In Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. Christ that liveth in me. You see, Paul was trying to become a replica of Jesus Christ. Paul lost his identity and became one with Christ. He not only bore, bore the marks of the Lord Jesus in his body, but in his behavior as well. How can we magnify Christ? I'll tell you, if Christ is in you, you cannot hide it. Christ could not be hidden when he was in the world, and he can't be hidden now. There's a song that suggests, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Let, let the beauty of Jesus be, be seen in me in his power, in his purity, in his peace. Christians are to be like islands of peace in a sea of tranquility. Is Christ magnified in your life? The Lord can't be hidden in our lives if these qualities are found in me. It is said of those Early disciples in Acts 4.13, they took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. Moffat translates it like this. They were recognized as the companions of Jesus. Are you recognized as a companion of Christ? Is Christ in you? Are you in Christ? To be in Jesus Christ, you must, as a penitent, confessing believer, be baptized into Christ. In Romans the 6th chapter, verse 2, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we were raised with him by baptism into death that like his Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should also should walk in newness of life. We died our sins, repent, baptize into Christ into the benefits of his death. Arise to walk in the newness of life. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You do that, magnify Jesus in your life. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. I feel like my professors care not only about my progress in their classes, but also me as a person. Having teachers that will pray for me is incredible. Providing a Christ-centered education is the heart of everything we do at Fulton University. From the classroom to the sports fields, we emphasize integrity of character and a godly attitude in all phases of life. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. <laughs>